if you're so over the top obsessed with your customers, your customers are so over the top happy with you that they are more than happy and actually will go out of their way to be an advocate for you and to be out there telling your story and talking about your brand and doing your marketing for you. Welcome to CEO Brain Food. Every episode, entrepreneur, CEO, founder, and host Michael Langhout will bring you key insights, fresh perspectives, and proven tools you can apply to your business. Thought leaders and CEOs will be interviewed as we explore winning strategies for scaling a company, generating profits, and building lasting enterprise value. Make sure you listen all the way to the end of the episode to hear how you can download a free copy of Michael's Functional Team Scorecard. Here's Michael. Welcome back to CEO Brain Food. And today I'm just super excited to be on this episode with my friend and colleague, Blaine Millett. Blaine is a consultant, um, a coach, a friend, a partner that I've had in, in my uh, travels around in, uh, in business and, uh, and a guy that I just uh, really hold up and, and uh, respect a lot. Blaine has spent a, a professional lifetime, a career focusing on customers, and, and I think that's probably where I, I first met him and got attracted to him. Blaine is an author, a speaker, and uh, currently he's the president and chief advocate of WAM10, word of mouth on steroids, to the 10th power, which I think is a pretty cute name. I remember when, when Blaine first approached me on that, he was thinking about his company, and gosh, it's going back probably a good 15 years. What do you think about word of mouth to the 10th power, WAM 10? And I thought, hey, that's terrific. And so he grabbed that and has been building on that. So you can find Blaine at WAM10.com, W-O-M-10.com, where he is actively uh, blogging and speaking about his passion for for customers. And by the way, this is going to be a a two-part interview. Part one uh, is more strategic, more about uh, the what and why of of obsessing uh, over customers. And part two will be more about how you can build an organization around that, sort of the, the methodology, the framework, uh, if, if you will. And I can kind of kick this off, Blaine, by just saying that, you know, in my experience, who wouldn't be interested in customers, right? I mean, we're all focused on customers. You go out and you go out to uh, CEOs, to leadership teams, to companies, which we do uh, every day. We're with we're with clients or in conversations with people about their business. And if you ask them what, just a general question about customers, I mean, what? Of course, I mean, their answer always is, "Oh, yeah, we're totally focused on the customer. We're focused. You bet. We got it." They really don't have, in most cases, a pathway to prove that. I'm all about metrics. I love the KPIs and metrics. What are you, what are you doing to improve your customer experience? Well, how are you measuring that? We love our customers. We're focused on our customers. Well, great. How are you measuring that? And how does it get delivered through your organization? And if you asked all of your people, what would they say about their involvement? And I think what I'm really excited to talk about today is is really kind of kicking it up a notch or two or five or ten, and uh, really talking about not being focused on the customer or not concentrating on the customer experience so much, 
but how do we obsess over our customer? How, how are we obsessing about our customers? And I think this is probably the, the big differentiator out there that you bring, Blaine, and, and that you could, with all of our listeners out there, you could probably uh, influence them to think about and to drive them to a much deeper level of understanding around what is this customer obsession all about? So welcome, welcome, Blaine, and uh, looking forward to our time together. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Happy to be here and happy to share some uh, some thoughts and and uh, hopefully open some people's minds about you know as you mentioned this idea of customer obsession. It is some nice words, but it certainly goes way beyond that to the very core of your business, so that you do have the opportunity, as we'll probably talk about today of, you know, how would you measure it? How does it impact your business specifically? It isn't a, uh, you know, let's just be nicer to everybody. And that means we're <laughs> obsessed, right? We're, right. there's, um, we're always going to be nicer. I mean, that's just part of what human nature should be anyway, but that's not a strategy. That's, that's a passive way to say, yeah, we really like our customers. So we're nicer to them. Okay. So what does that really mean? And, uh, it doesn't really end up meaning anything once you get down below the, the surface of that. And you certainly can't measure. So, you know, go to, a, go to a strategic meeting with executives and say, okay, so we're obsessing over our customers and, and so we've been nicer to them. What does that mean? How do, do we measure that last month? I mean, that's an impossible question to ever answer. So you're right. It's, it's one that everybody gives a lot of lip service to and, you know, and, and we can talk more about that. But uh, it is one the customer obsession is is definitely a prescriptive uh, more formulatic if uh, if that's a word um, way to approach it yeah the form formulaic right exactly yeah. so anyway it's uh, it, it's fun it's fun stuff and and uh, you know as we dive into it I think I you know hope your audience sees that as well and goes wow we're uh, uh, we're missing a huge opportunity in our company that we could be taking advantage of here and completely differentiate ourselves. Why are we not doing that? Well, all, all of them. And when a client calls, a potential client calls, or we're doing some discovery with a with a potential client, typically they're going to talk about, well, you know, we're, gosh, you know, we want to scale, but we're frustrated. We can't, we're stuck. We can't figure out why we can't seem to grow. We're a little lost. We're maybe we're out of, out of cash or short on resources, financial resources. We're not executing very well. And, you know, we could lead them into some areas around strategy. Um, and I love to talk about how are you different. And here, here for those in the listening audience, perk up. This is a great way to differentiate, right? I mean, to really, really be different from your competition. Uh, and particularly in those market spaces where you're almost in a, I hate to use the word commodity, but you're almost in that kind of a space where others are doing what you do. So how are you different? And you can be different on different dimensions. You can have different quality uh, levels. You can have different service levels, et cetera. I remember when I started out in, in business, I worked for a big paper company, the Weyerhaeuser company. We were selling packaging and, uh, you know, there were six or eight big companies out there that competed against us that had the same equipment, the same paper, the same raw material and similar product, although we did differentiate a bit in quality, I always felt. But in the early days, and I'm dating myself a bit here, but going back into the into the 70s, it was about relationship. It was it was how I was as a sales rep with my client and they, they loved, uh, you know, what what we were doing. We took care of them. Took them out to the ball game, you know, to the entertaining, all of that stuff. It is 
totally different today. You still need those things. I mean, I'm not going to discount them, but boy, you, you'll never make it on relationship. You, you've got to have something more than that. Right. You know, right. I mean, I don't know, get, put some examples out there, but I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Starbucks, but I was in my local Starbucks this morning at 5.30 and I had exactly what I wanted in less than a minute. Mm-hmm. And I was out the door. I would give them a five star on, uh, you know, out of five rating on, on, uh, on that experience this morning. I, I didn't ask for a lot. I just wanted my Vente drip coffee dark mm-hmm. right. <laughs> and I wanted it hot and I wanted it fresh and I didn't want to spend a lot of time doing it. Exactly. And, uh, and sure enough, uh, now, and I know that experience did not come easily. They, they had to do some things to make that happen to me this morning. Yeah. Right. I mean, there must be a whole, you know, methodology there that they're, that where they're bringing that kind of uh, an experience. Well, you you know, you're, you're touching on, you know, the point around obsession and, and customer obsession is you build your, it isn't just having the idea we want to be um, different and the idea we, we want to provide a better experience. It's actually building all of your business processes around delivering that. And that's the piece that makes this really powerful, but also, you know, difficult because businesses don't build their processes around it. They still build it around product and service and, and delivery and other things. That is their core. But what, what customer obsession is saying is, uh, wait a minute, we're going to step back and we're actually going to build our processes around delivering this phenomenal, incredible, amazing, spectacular experience. And we're going to keep all of our promises and help our customers all the way along. And when we do that, they're going to go, wow, you know, the, just interacting with you is so different than anybody else. I love coming over here. That's that's where you turn the corner on on obsession because your whole business is built around it. It's not an afterthought, which is what you end up finding when you really look at a lot of businesses is the customer side is really kind of an afterthought, or maybe they've done some things to spruce up the experience, but there's not um, the other processes around to support it. So it's not something that can be consistent and, and can be repeated over and over and over again. So that's a what you just said with you know Starbucks, for example, is with all customer-obsessed companies, is they have built their entire business process around um, delivering this type of experience consistently and repeatedly so they know that you're going to be really, really happy with what they do. Throughout the company, I mean, I could have gone in, I mean, I travel around the world here. Uh, I was I was just in Italy here this spring and, and earlier, a few months earlier, I was in Japan. And I went into uh, I went into different Starbucks, and the and the you know it was amazing that the the uh, the experience was the same. Right. I mean, I, it was five thirty in the morning. I grab a cup of coffee. I'm done. In and out. And throughout the whole company, it's it's amazing how they can do that through all of their stores. Right. But um, you had mentioned something just a minute ago that I'd like to key on, Blaine, and that is talking about that experience. You know, I can talk about, so I, I've got my cup, my Starbucks cup, in fact, it's still here in my office from this morning. And if I had visitors in my office or if I was out and about and I had that that brand or something, I might, uh, you know, I might share that with, uh, with others, mm-hmm. that experience. Could you kind of key on that a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, in fact, I was just going to, I was just going to mention that is, so to me, and this is probably where I di- where I'm different than maybe a lot of others in this space, 
is well, you've been you've been doing this a long time, Blaine. So <laughs> yeah, you, you learn by a lot of trial <laughs> and error right. and fail. You right? got that right. So the the key to me at the end of the day, and that's you know when I asked you about my company name and whatnot years and years ago. That is really the core focus, the singular focus I have in life with this, which is, okay, so great. We have Starbucks and, and uh, you know, a host of other companies that, that deliver an awesome customer experience to you. But at the end of the day, if you don't go out of your way to tell somebody about it, then that's a really great experience and you're happy with it. But what I'm really passionate about is how do I get you to market for them? How do I get you to go out there and be their spokesperson, their marketing agent, uh, their advocate, and tell all the other people about Starbucks? Because that's the magic of customer obsession. If you're so over the top obsessed with your customers, your customers are so over the top happy with you that they are more than happy and actually will go out of their way to be an advocate for you and to be out there telling your story and talking about your brand and doing your marketing for you. That to me is the holy grail. You know, gosh, uh, Blaine, uh, it, it doesn't get any better for me as a coach or a consultant you know, in, the, in our businesses that we have than when one of our, you know, one of our valued uh, and trusted clients will actually, you know, go out and talk to, to their constituents or their networks about what a great job, uh, you know, that we're doing for them. And, and, um, you know, and that's not a shameless plug here. I'm not, you know, that's not where I'm going with this, but it's more, it's more complimenting the, the point you just made that, look, if, if my wife is happy with that, uh, you know, purse that she just bought or the dress that she just bought or the house that she just bought, she handles our real estate, by the way, in our family. If she's happy, <laughs> you know, at, at those levels, then, you know, she's, she's a happy camper, you know, and she's going to go out and talk about this with her people, with her network. Right. And it's like right. uh, LinkedIn, you know, built on the, the, um, you know, the next level, right. I think LinkedIn goes out to two or three, you know, levels of the, you know, of, of our network. And if we can broadcast out, I mean, we're, we're sharing our influence, shepherding that sort of within our networks. It's like, uh, the tentacles go out there and pretty soon you've got, you've got thousands and thousands of people listening, you know, to that message. And, uh, I know, I, I know you're writing a book and I, I was shocked at your title. I mean, obviously it's like, Holy smokes, what are you talking about? Stop marketing. You you really don't mean that, do you? Um, absolutely. Jeez, <laughs> oh, here we go. Um, but there's a second phrase that, that uh, needs to go with that. Um, it's stop marketing. Your customers are dying to do it for you. Oh, yeah. That's the key phrase. So by, you know, by far, the majority of companies are not leveraging the most powerful marketing force they have available, which is their customers. So while most companies, Mike, are spending lots of resources, people and money on acquisition and attraction programs through their marketing teams, and they're not investing in the unquestionably most effective marketing they could ever get from their customers. You know, let me ask you a quick question to make this really simple. If you had a, a new prospect sitting in front of you at a table and you wanted them to become a customer, and you had one thing you could do to convert them, would you shove one of your latest advertisements in front of them and your promotional literature? Oh. Or would you have one of your customers tell them you rocked and they should work with you? Which method would you choose? Absolutely. 
Oh, no question. I, the, the, the biggest, highest leverage, it's got to be a 10x more than an advertisement. Exactly. Would be, the, would, would be that uh, referral, that customer. So that's what I'm talking about is when I say stop marketing, your customers are dying to do it for you. I really want you to, and everybody to take um, a proactive strategy to leveraging the most powerful marketing tool you have in your arsenal that I would venture to say the majority of your listeners by far are not leveraging and not using nearly to the power that they could. I can uh, compliment and so totally uh, jump on that as well, um, Blaine, and, and practically guarantee you that it's that they're not. I mean, and, and I'm and look at to the listeners out there. I we're really not trying to upset the the marketing the good marketing community that's out there. I mean, there's a whole robust community around marketing, and what we're trying to do is get you all to embrace the concept of the customer as the advocate. This isn't any in any way trying to discredit you or anything like that. It's just open your eyes. It's it's designed to to spark, to be a spark, to light it up, to realize that, you know, your customer has that ability to talk about you. Now, sometimes it's, you got to get them to do that. Uh, and, 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 and sometimes it's not easy to do that. You've got, you've got to have those channels, right? So how do, what are some of the strategies around getting that customer, you know, to talk, uh, even if they are happy? I mean, I've, I've had that. I've had clients that are delighted with the work that I've done for them, but for some reason, they don't want to, I don't know, maybe they don't want to be online. They don't want to show themselves on LinkedIn or, or have that, whatever. I just say, you know, would you be willing to, you know, to recommend me or to talk about my services um, with someone? Could I have them call you? And of course, you know, they're happy to do that. But how do you, what are some of the strategies that we can get uh, to develop to have, uh, you know, uh, these uh, people that are listening, the CEOs and so on that, to uh, to get their customers to talk about them with others. Well, there's uh, you know, and and we can probably talk about um, a little bit later in terms of this uh, methodology that you know that I have called our remarkable triangle. But the piece that is interesting is that we can ask people for referrals, we can ask people to talk about us, and we can do that, and, and we should do that. We should be proactive because we feel good about what we're doing and how we help somebody do it. What I'm trying to help people get to is take that one one step further and deeper is I want you to be so top of mind that whenever they're in a conversation with anybody, they don't need to be reminded by this. They're already on top of it and going, oh, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I should introduce you to my coach, Mike, because this guy is amazing. Not only does he, you know, treat me in a way that uh, is fully adaptable to what I do and how I work, but he's always providing me with helpful information and he's always helping me in ways that I don't even think about. And I can tell you one thing, I trust him completely. So what we're trying to get to is to where somebody feels so over the top um, solid about who you are and what you do and how you've actually um, helped them specifically that they're in conversations with other people, you know, like themselves, and they're hearing the same issues that they've had. And they go, oh, let me give you some insights of, I think there's someone you need to talk to. So they're proactively, and that's the key word to me is, how do you get somebody who's to be proactively out there marketing for you versus just asking them uh, to market for you? I, I want them to be, I want to be top of mind with them. And whenever something comes up, I want to go, oh, you know who you need to talk to? 
I want to be that person. Right. So really where that leads us is to what we are doing in our companies to create that result with, you know, that we would have then with the client that they would be willing to go out and talk to people just totally unprovoked. I mean, they would just not even be needed to, you wouldn't even need to ask them. Right. They're going to do it anyway. Um, and so, and so that's great. And uh, let me ask you, Blaine, about, uh, I spend a lot of time in the, in, in these podcasts and my newsletter and my actual practice with clients around, um, you know, leadership issues, um, a lot in culture. How does this tie into the cultural piece of a company? I mean, this is really, when I talk about culture, I'm talking about the foundational aspect, the core values, the purpose, why are we doing what we're doing as a company, you know, sort of the big vision, the, the, the North Star out there. What is the big goal that we're trying to hit out there 10, 15, 20 years, as Jim Collins talks about? I've mentioned this many times in my, in my writing and in my episodes that we do. But, um, you know, how does this impact the culture of a company? Well, that's a great question because customer obsession is synonymous with culture. Mm -hmm. So that's maybe an easy way to think about it Mm -hmm. because being customer obsessed is literally changing the culture of your company to be 100% committed to focusing on the customer ahead of product and service. It almost becomes the culture. It does become the culture. And I use the word DNA. It it becomes the DNA of your your business. Mm Take Zappos, for example, you know, it's probably my my all-time favorite, by the way, since they went from zero to a billion, you know, in less than 10 years is a pretty reasonable model to go after as a company, but they are totally customer obsessed. And, you know, they started out selling the ultimate commodity of shoes and transformed this into a juggernaut of a company because of the way they treated their customers. And, you know, Tony Shea tells, tells you it's all in their culture. It's who they are. It's what they're, you know, what their people all believe in and support. And it's been said you could actually take all the people out of Zappos and put them into any company in any industry and they would change the company and, and be a leader in that industry because they have transport, transformed their culture to be customer obsessed. So, you know, when you're completely and totally focused on, on your customer, Mike, um, delivering, you know, both delivering to them the most amazing experiences they can get in your industry, but you're constantly demonstrating how you can help improve their life and their business, and you're doing it purposefully and building deep trust with them, you've transformed the way your employees think, the way they act, and the way they would believe uh, is most important to the company. You've changed the culture. So it only happens with uh, action and leadership and a passionate commitment to uh, mm-hmm. to something everyone can rally around. And, you know, let me tell you, it's really easy to get com- to get employees to rally around the customer. I mean, just ask yourself, what employee doesn't like to work with customers that love working with you? No one. I mean, we all hate to, you know, get the calls from the irritated customers they have to deal with because their, their culture and their operating processes created this issue. Instead of, having their customers call them up and go, you know, I love dealing with you guys. I just love working with you. I mean, that's what employee doesn't want to hear that. Oh, absolutely. There's no question. And so when you, when you talk about, you're using Zappos as an example, um, you know, what a great, what a great example. And, and the way that you, <laughs> the way you're telling the story with such passion, I know you live in this world, Blaine. So many of us are not in that world and they, and, you know, we're trying to run these companies. I mean, the, the, the companies that I'm working with that, that come and, and that I'm even talking to about, uh, you know, about this topic and, and some of the other topics that I work on, 
are they're stuck they're stuck in the mud right i mean it's like they're they're it's like they're trying to pedal their bike out of a out of a mud puddle yeah you know their 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 gears are going but they're bogged down they're frustrated and you can see the frustration you know just when i talk with them it's like oh my gosh they just i want to help them and here here uh, here you have this beacon of hope out here that it's like when you talk about the Zappos story, I see the sun rising on a new day yeah. for business. Um, right. Just uh, it's almost almost like a salve on a wound or it's 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 a it's a such a reassuring hope that these folks could could really if they embraced it, if they just knew if they could just do it. And I'm reminded of the old, uh, you know, comic uh, image of the. Uh, you know the guy showing up with the in Africa. They've got they're fighting the fighting the battle with the spears, and this guy right. shows up with a machine gun. Oh, don't bother me with that. Um, I'm busy fighting this. Uh, you know this battle, and right. um, and here we have, you know, here we have a, a really great proven way to pull yourself out and give you and listen to the listen, folks. I mean, when you're listening to this, it's it's a you can hear my voice. I mean, I get to get relaxed thinking about it. It's it's the freedom that you're looking for. You know, you, you just, here's a path to something greater that if you would just look at it, um, I, I can tell you, uh, it, from just knowing Blaine and working with him as I have many, for many, many years, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great solution. Let me throw one thing in there, Mike. You know, we're talking about culture. Just give you a simple little piece that, you know, your listeners can kind of take, take to heart and think about a little bit. If you're the leader of a company and, you know, business owner, or whatever, a, a top leader in your organization, if you change the if you change the questions that you ask your employees around the customer. So let's say, for example, something's going on inside the organization. If you're going to make a change inside the company, if you as a leader came back and asked one question a little differently each time you said, OK, great, I get what this is. I see what you're trying to do. Let me ask one question. How does making this change, how is this going to make our customer feel? And if you ask a question always, if you always started the conversation, okay, great, this is wonderful. I'm, I'm glad to see how we can improve this, how we can move this, whatever it may be. If you started the conversation with, say, okay, that's great. So tell me, how is this going to impact our customer and how is this going to make our customer feel? If you start with those kind of conversations, you've essentially sent a message to your employees as well that comes back and says, guess what? Everything that the CEO or the executives are going to ask me, I need to know how this is going to impact my customer. And if it's not going to impact them in a positive way or make them feel really awesome, well, why are we doing that? That's the difference of a customer-obsessed company is they just think differently about their customer. They put them first. And so they're looking at it from the standpoint of saying, great, this is going to make their life so much easier. Great. Let's do that. Now your employees as a culture, the DNA, set, you know, moves through the company where they go, yeah, how could we make our customer's life better? What could we do tomorrow? What could I do in my own role that would make our customer's life better, easier? They would trust us more. How could I do that? Now you start, you know, those are the components that change culture when leadership drives that with consistency in what they're asking. If they come back and say, well, how much is this going to save us? 
How is this going to make us more efficient internally? Mm-hmm. How is this going to speed up delivery? Yeah, which are more the traditional uh, the traditional measures and metrics. So this is a whole new yes. thing that probably, as I walk around the offices and the factories and stuff that I'm distribution centers that I'm working with, uh, people that I'm working with out in the uh, in the businesses. I don't see that question being asked. I don't see it posted anywhere uh, visually. So if we were to introduce that, if you as a CEO listening here, if you're going to introduce that, Blaine, tell the CEO, what would they do? I mean, would they, would they start each meeting with this concept? Because you're, you're, you're bringing them from a level where they're at now talking about the service delivery or the quality problems or whatever they're having now you're raising them up to a new level of of this is a new question they don't they're not asking this question right and one of the the issues of course is the answer is going to come back immediately if you don't you know build obviously your strategy and different pieces around it to be i have no idea how this is going to impact our customer all i know is it's going to save us 10 cents on every dollar mm-hmm. okay well great why don't we go out and look at how would this impact our customer positively negatively or no change at all and let's bring that back and discuss it before we make a decision just because it saves us 10 cents on every dollar. That's that's where the conversation starts to morph into, wow, we really do as, as a company care about our customer because the executives are putting that ahead of all of my efficiencies or other things. It doesn't mean you're not going to do it. It just takes on a different purpose of why you're doing it. One of the stories that I've heard you say a few times, Blaine, and by the way, for our listening audience, Blaine does speak to groups, uh, audiences, uh, associations, uh, uh, trade associations and companies, et cetera. And in a recent speech that he made, that I happened to attend, you told a story about um, an experience that you had um, with a hotel. I think it was in Florida. Right. Would you mind, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but would you mind just kind of quickly kind of going through that story because it was so compelling. I just, uh, it really created a visual in my head that, wow, if I could, if I could have a company like that, I'd be, you know, I'd be, I'd be doing really well. Sure. So the hotel is the Ritz Carlton in Naples, Florida. So you had a location, right? And it was where I was doing a a national um, convention speech that I was staying there. So when I, when I flew into Florida, I flew into the other side of the, uh, of the state and then drove across the state and uh, ro- arrived at um, Naples in the afternoon. And when I arrived there, they came uh, running out to my car and with a, a very huge, happy, you know, welcome, Mr. and Mrs. Millet. Um, we're happy to see you here. And I know you've probably had a long day. Um, if you just follow me, um, come into the lobby and we've got some refreshments for you and we'll take care of your car, your bags, all that. So you don't have to worry about anything. And so we walked into the lobby where they had a, a, a gentleman standing there with a tray of assorted uh, beverages of all kinds and said, here, just have a seat here on the couch and have a drink and relax a little bit. By the way, you're already checked in and all you need is hand me your credit card and I'll go ahead and take care of that so that all any incidentals are, are covered, but just um, relax and, and enjoy yourself for a minute. And as we did that, then they um, uh, told us that we have a table set up for you by the pool because we know you're probably a little bit uh, famished at this point. And there's some some snacks and some things down there that you can you can enjoy. And I'll give you know I give you a tour of the facility and walk you to the beach and show you what's going on down there so you know what that's about. And so they literally were 
um, preempting everything and uh, literally eliminated my anxiety over the typical check-in process. What do I do next? I'd never been to this hotel and, and, and literally made it so easy and so comfortable that I didn't even, you know, think or worry about anything. I did ask them the question, which was, well, I know I'm, you know, one of the key speakers here at this conference. Is this, you know, kind of what you do for the, uh, you know, for, for somebody doing that? And they said, well, you know, kind of a little bit, sheepishly, uh, no, this is just what we do for everybody. And that probably carried more weight than me being there as a speaker, is this is exactly um, what they do when when you visit their hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll give you a, 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 an interesting antidote to that. You didn't, you haven't heard about, Mike. I was doing a speech for a group and somebody, you know, in the back stands up and waves their hand, right? And I'm, so I'm in the middle of this piece in the story and they're waving their hand. I'm like, okay, I guess they got a really big question. They better get asked right away. <laughs> so I said, yes, um, did you have a question or something <laughs> back there? And they said, no, no, no. I just wanted to jump in and say, I did the exact same thing and I had the exact same experience and I wasn't giving any wow. speech at another Ritz Carlton and they gave me the wow. location of that. This is how they do business. And I thought, wow, what better testimony than you have than somebody who mirrored my experience in another location and another Ritz. So like you said, this is how you want to run your company. You know, Zappos, Ritz-Carlton, and I'm sure you've probably got a a collection of names of companies that are are there. But, you know, it, it is interesting to note, and I would say, not all companies are this way. And you have to ask the question, why the heck not? Right. This is, this is like the Holy Grail for for businesses and in in and for anyone looking for that true differentiation um this this customer obsession theme is something to really take in and consider and i couldn't recommend a more highly blaine millet for for your uh, work in that area he's a he's a great guy and a great specialist in this so i would like to bring this to a conclusion um, as I mentioned, uh, and this again to the listening audience, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning, this is part one, sort of the strategic, the why, the what is it and the why do we want to do it? And hopefully we've conveyed uh, that to you and answered both of those, uh, those questions here. Part two is coming up um, in our next episode, and we'll, where again, we'll feature Blaine, um, who's just in the process of releasing a book this, uh, this fall, later this year called stop marketing uh and again blaine tell the tell the title again i didn't write the whole title down getting your customers to talk about yeah stop marketing your customers are dying to do it for you and that's great and when do you expect to have that out um it'll be fourth quarter all right well that's great and really looking forward to read that book blaine myself and i'm going to recommend it to my to my clients as well and anyone listening uh, again head over to uh, wom10.com for more information on blaine and uh and thank you so much, uh, Blaine, for your time today. This has been really great. I've enjoyed talking with you. So, uh, And thank you all again for listening uh, to CEO Brain Food. Looking forward to our next uh, episode, which is coming up next week. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of CEO Brain Food. If you're enjoying the content of these episodes and are ready to get your leadership team aligned so you can scale effectively, we invite you to download Michael's newest resource, the Functional Team Scorecard. This scorecard will help you establish role clarity and accountability on the senior leadership team, engage your leadership team in the financials of the business, and align and synchronize your team around a critical number. 
Download your free copy today at langhoutinternational.com forward slash scorecard or click on the link in the show notes. Tune in next Monday for another compelling episode of CEO Brain Food.